it's kind of fitting the way this, this sermon worked out, the way this morning's going to work out. Because we've got a bunch of faces in here that haven't been here in a while. And we just finished up Hebrews last week. And we were going to take this week to kind of look back at Hebrews and kind of look back at what God has done at CRC in the last year. So this is going to be, this is going to be a bit of a review for some of us. For some of us who maybe this is our first or second time here, this is going to be an awesome opportunity to see kind of what God has been doing here and kind of what we hope to see God continue to do here. And then um, at the same time, we're going to get to kind of understand hopefully the big picture of what I think Hebrews has really been teaching us. Because um, I know, and I said this a little bit last week, I had an idea coming into studying Hebrews exactly what I thought Hebrews was going to mean to me by the end of the book. And the more and more we studied, by the time we got to the end, I had such a bigger picture of what the scope of the book was. Like, I, I really feel like, I think, we, I think we were good with our initial idea. Hebrews is about how Jesus is better. And that's, that's a perfect way to summarize it. But that's so small now to me compared to what I really think God's trying to say through the whole book. So I hope, I hope your thumbs are warmed up. We're going to basically read the whole book today. <laughs> I hope you're okay with that. We're going to basically, we're going to flip through the whole thing. So, so be ready to move around. You can go ahead and start turning toward Hebrews 1. But don't plan on staying there for very long because we're going to, we're going to get moving pretty quick here. Uh, I was thinking about it because it, it fit with our schedule that we were going to end Hebrews right here. And it's the last Sunday of the year. So it's a good time to kind of think about, think about the year that was and maybe kind of look forward to 2015, what that year is going to look like. And I was sitting there thinking, so what's 2015 going to look like? And I was realizing, wait a minute, 2015 is a milestone year. You guys know why 2015 is a milestone year, right? We are now into Back to the Future 2 range, right? I mean, we're supposed to be on hoverboards. I'm supposed to have a jacket that if it gets wet, it will dry me. I'm supposed to be flying in a car. That, that's what this year, you realize that, right? Like that was what, when they made that movie, what, 85? That's what they thought 2015 was going to look like, right? Now, now we're, not, we're not quite to flying cars. I get that, but... But a lot has changed even since like, like year 2000, right? There, I mean, that's like the last big milestone that I was really thinking 20, like 20, 20, oh, no, 2000. Like, like that's a big change. Like we're, we're, we're getting into a new millennium. And, and I started thinking about it this week, like, like, like what was going on in the year 2000? So I wrote down, I was 14. I was a baby, yeah. I was 14. I had never worked a real job. Still live with my mom, obviously, but 14, that's kind of sensible. <laughs> I didn't really know Tiff. We had met on occasion, but I didn't really know her. And in case you missed last week, we farmed llamas. That was, that was kind of, we farmed llamas. We raised llamas. That was kind of my year 2000, right? Yeah. Lot, a lot has changed in 15 years. And I was thinking about this. In the last 15 years... Um, 
I, I chose digital media as a major, which got me, which, which, which made me able to get a job at ETSU working on the website, which, which made it possible for ETSU to pay for seminary classes for me, which made it possible for me to take a class in Hebrews, which made it possible for me to preach through the book of Hebrews after God called me and a few other people to plant this church. Like, that's kind of just a small picture of what God has done in my life through seemingly, at the time, just small little, little decisions. Like, oh, I think I'm going to do digital media. Why? Because I play lots of video games. <laughs> that was their selling point. It's like, what's your favorite video game? Well, I like Metal Gear Solid. Awesome. You want to make the next one? Sign me up. You know, never made a video game. Still never going to make a video game. It's not going to happen. I don't even play them really anymore. But, but to see that one little decision, God was working out each of these small steps in my life to amount to one, one big realization years down the road. And, and then as we got to the end of this year, I was thinking, about, man, think about how much God has done just in this year. Think about all the different little decisions that have been made throughout this year that have really shaped what our church looks like, shaped what all of our relationships look like, shaped the way I preach, shaped the things that we're studying, shaped where we're going in the next year, the things that we're going to study. Because, because when, we first, when we first planted CRC, we're, we were like, okay, we're, we're going to start preaching next week. What are we going to preach? That was, kind of, that was kind of the mindset. Maybe we should do this. And it's like, oh, Acts, good. That'll, that'll buy us some time to think ahead. Like, Acts will take a while. You know, and then and then we've kind of got this point now where we've we've settled into to how we're doing some of the things that we're doing, and now we're able to think, what is it that God is wanting us to teach here? What is it that is going to be the most appropriate for Christ reconciled church? What is it that we need to be studying for us? What are the things? Where are the areas that we think God needs to be growing us? And just seeing how He has built us up to this point to where now we can really step back take an inventory of who we are and what it is that God wants us to study, and then, and then teach that. It, it's really crazy just to see what God has done in, in a really short amount of time. Um, the level of community that he's built here, the level of willingness to serve, all, all of these things. We're going to talk about uh, kind of a snapshot, I think, of what I think that's going to look like here in the future a little bit today. Um, so, but let's go ahead and turn towards Hebrews chapter 1. Um, so we started off with Jesus better. That was our big thought. And like I said, now that thought, it still works. And I'm still going to use it. I'm still going to tweet it all the time. But I do think that there's a big, there's, I was like, there's something more that this book is trying to say. And then I decided that I would just steal from John Piper because he says things better than me. So this is, this is absolutely ripping off a John Piper quote, but I'm going to use it because I think it perfectly sums up what the whole book of Hebrews now kind of amounts to me. Um, so he said this, Jesus is the key that unlocks the mystery of history. And when the key unlocks the mystery of history and the story is told, he turns out to be the main reality in the story. So if you've ever listened to John Piper, you're like, that sounds like a John Piper quote which means I need to read it one more time a little bit slower. So Jesus is the key that unlocks the mystery of history. And when the key unlocks the mystery of history and the story is told, he, Jesus, 
turns out to be the main reality in the story. That's my big idea coming out of Hebrews. It's not just that Jesus is better. Jesus is it. Jesus is everything. Jesus is all that there is, and there's nothing else that we need to be distracted by. All of our attention goes to Him. We are defined by who He is and who He says we are. That's it. And I think Hebrews, if I was smart, when I was first reading the opening chapter of Hebrews, I think I would have kind of gotten that idea right away. Um, So let's just go ahead and read. We're just going to read the first three verses of the book of Hebrews. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. So, So... He spoke to us different ways, but it doesn't say that it wasn't always all about Jesus. So then we get to verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, yeah, God revealed Himself to us in different ways in times past through the prophets. Right. He revealed himself to us. He, he explained who he was, maybe a little bit differently, until Jesus actually got on the scene. And then it was all about Jesus. And, and Jesus was proven to be better. And we're going to talk about how Jesus was proven to be better. But it was always all about him. The world was still created through him. He was still the radiance of the glory of God. He was that. It doesn't say he became that. Right? He is. And as we're going to see... He hasn't changed. He has always been exactly the same. So, so, so as we're remembering what Hebrews was telling us this morning, just remember this idea that He's it. He's everything. Jesus is everything. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. So we started with this idea when we started studying this that Jesus is better. And that's kind of where Hebrews starts, and it kind of works through a big list. It kind of just lines up all these different things that, that the Hebrews would have thought, oh, this is it, this is a big deal thing. And he just kind of lines it up and says, this is a good thing, but it pales in comparison to Jesus. You just kind of line them up, knock them down, line them up, knock them down, line them up, move on, let's go. We've got to get back to Jesus. Um, so, so what we realized is that the Old Covenant, the priesthood, the prophets, all of these things are just a reflection. They're just a mirror of who Jesus actually is and how Jesus is actually our means of salvation. Jesus is actually the perfect revelation of God. Jesus is actually bringing us a better covenant. And there's a bunch of different verses that we read. Go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 3. I said we're going to be turning a lot, so hope you're ready. Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 5. We're going to read the first half of verse 6. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. When we read this, we were talking about, we were, we were talking about how important Moses was in the history of Israel. Right? But, but Moses was never considered a son. Like, like Jesus was the son of God. Jesus was in the family. Moses was at the time seen more as a tool. He was used by God. But Jesus set so much higher, appointed, called God's son. He was, he was made as God. He came as God's son, and he makes us 
he brings us into his family. We talked about this idea of sonship. We become the sons and daughters of God. Because Jesus was a more perfect Moses. Jesus was a more complete leader, a more complete person who could actually serve God as his son. Let's go ahead and move on. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 16 through 22. He was a better priest. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 16. Jesus has become, a be- has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest after the order of Melchizedek. For on one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. So it's not just that Jesus came and that he was better, but he was, he was appointed a priest by God. He wasn't just born into it. right? The, the, the old priests, and we talked about this when we were studying this, the old priests became a priest just by virtue of their heritage. Your dad was a priest, you can be a priest. Your dad was a high priest, you can be a high priest. Jesus was appointed by God to be our high priest. And and by virtue of that appointment, because he's the only one who was appointed to that job specifically by God, because he was handed this task by God, he is more, more capable to fulfill the role of high priest perfectly. Because it says back in verse 19, the law made nothing perfect. Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant, a more complete, a more fulfilling covenant. Right? The old covenant did not fix everything. The old covenant just kind of bought us time, bought us time. Jesus fixes the sin problem perfectly, completely. And go ahead and remember this idea here from verse 21. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Keep that idea forever. Will not change his mind. Keep those in mind because we're going to come back to those thoughts in just a second. So, so he, was a, he was a better leader than Moses, a more perfect leader than Moses. He was a better priest than any of the old priests. He was appointed a high priest by God. Chapter 8. And this is where we get an idea. Chapter 8, verse 5. This is where we understand why those people had to come, why they came first. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. Right? We'll just stop right there. They serve as a shadow. We talked about this, right? What? A shadow gives you some information about the thing that's casting that shadow, but you can't know everything about the one who's casting that shadow just because you've seen the shadow, just because they saw Moses, just because they saw the prophets, just because they saw the priests, did not mean that they knew who God was. Right? Jesus, right, was the, was the radiance of the glory of God. He was the one who, when He came on the scene, when He showed up, He revealed who God was because He was God. 
When Jesus shows up, we start to realize that everything is just a reflection. Everything's just a shadow. Nothing else matters in comparison to Jesus. He's the one who, who, who makes things make sense, right? We talked we, that, that Piper quote. He's the one who unlocks the mystery of history. He's the one who, who takes everything that seems confusing in this world, the things that we don't get. Why does this happen? And when we, when we look at Jesus and we understand who Jesus is and what it is that he accomplished through his life and through his death, that's when everything starts to make sense. Jesus is the one that makes our existence understandable. Jesus is the one who makes our existence have some meaning. Without him, we would just be wandering aimlessly. We would have no idea where we were heading, what it was that we were supposed to do. And we would just make ourselves as comfortable and as happy as we could right now. Go ahead and jump ahead to chapter 12. One more on this idea that Jesus is better. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So, if you remember what we had just studied in chapter 11, again, it was this, this, this huge lineup of all the people that the Jews would have thought, these people are it. They are the ones that we want to be like. And he says, yeah, these people are great, and they have things worth modeling. And then he gets to verse 12, he says, we're surrounded by all these great witnesses, right? We see all these great things that have happened through these people's lives. But let us look to Jesus instead, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Because, because they were just, again, a copy, a shadow, a reflection in a mirror. They were just bits and pieces of what the nature of who Jesus is would look like. But they could not perfectly embody Jesus. They could not reveal Jesus to us perfectly. Only Jesus can reveal himself to us perfectly. Perfectly, And he's saying that's what we should do. We should look to Jesus. We should run to Jesus. We shouldn't run back to the people in our past and be defined by how they lived their lives. We should look to him and run to him and seek him perfectly. Because of all those things, the priesthood, these, 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 great, these great believers who had lived before us, all these old ways of attaining salvation, they were good, but Jesus is so much better. And that's where we started, right? Jesus is better. And I, and, and I really thought that that would be the, the one focus through the whole book, that he's better. Because he is, right? I'm not saying he's not, but like I said, he's so much more than that. Because there are a couple of other themes that are, that are really common throughout the book. So Jesus is better. Jesus is also permanent. Go ahead and turn back. We're going to start over at the beginning. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to do the second half of verse 6. We read, we read 5 and 6 a little bit earlier. I'll just read it again just so we have the context. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And here's the, part, here's the point I want to make. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast to our confidence 
and our boasting and our hope. Believing Jesus, following Jesus, has a lasting effect on our lives. We continue in that. We don't, we don't shy away. We don't, we don't look to Jesus and then, and then shrink back. We don't look to Jesus and then fade away. We look to Jesus, and if we're really going to see who Jesus is, we're going to stay with Him. We are His people if we hold fast to our confidence. Jesus is a permanent solution. Once you know Jesus, you stay with Jesus. We don't shy away. We endure. We continue on with Him. Look ahead just a little bit. Chapter 3, verse 14. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. If we believe in Jesus, if we follow Jesus, we don't quit. The church is not filled, the true church is not filled with quitters. The people that Jesus brings to himself, he draws in, that he makes his people, are not going to quit. Right? He's the guarantee. It said he was the guarantor of a better covenant. This covenant is permanent. This covenant we don't fall away from. When we get brought into this family, we are in this family forever. This family doesn't lose members. So we have to ask ourselves, are we in this family? That's the question. Are we in this family? Because if we're in this family, we're not going to fall away. We come to share in Christ if we hold to our original confidence firm to the end. If we finish, then yeah, we knew Jesus. If we finish, that's how we know that we knew Jesus. Go ahead and turn ahead. Back to chapter 10. Verses 11 through 14. Again, talking about the priesthood. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all sorry, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. The old priest's job did not end, right? You've probably heard preachers ask this question before. What was the one piece of furniture that wasn't in the temple? A chair. Because they didn't sit. They kept going. They kept working. Their job never ended. Jesus, he offers one sacrifice, right? Going back to that idea that he's better, his sacrifice is better. Jesus offers one sacrifice. He offers himself one time. And then what does he do? He sits down. He's done. He's finished. He doesn't have to do any more work to remove any sin. His work was enough. And that work is completed. It is permanent. Right? That work doesn't need anything else added on top of it. He's just sitting around waiting till the end when all of his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. He's like, I'm done. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to hang out. Hang out of the house. I'm done. Got nothing else. Right? So Jesus' sacrifice is permanent. Jesus is permanent. Jesus doesn't, we don't lose Jesus, and Jesus doesn't lose us. 
100% success rate on Jesus saving people. Right? He saves you. He doesn't lose you. One more. Still in chapter 10. Jump ahead to verse 26. So this is the warning. This is the warning with that idea in our mind. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So, we have to look at ourselves. Are we continuing in our sin? Do we love our sin more than Jesus? Because if we love our sin more than Jesus, then we don't know Him. And all that's left for us is judgment. That's it. So what is it that you want? Do you you continue to want to put your sin aside and run to Jesus? Do you see Him as a better and more permanent solution to your life's problems? Or do you think that you're going to find more satisfaction in your sin, in the things that you own, in in the people that, that like you, the people that you're around, the things that you do? Or do you see Jesus as ultimately more satisfying? That's the question. Because because if you are with Jesus, if you're following with Jesus, you will put your sin aside. You will continue with Him. You will not fall away. So Jesus is better. Jesus is permanent. Jesus is communal. One of the other things that I didn't realize was going to be in here as much as I thought was that part of that Part of that permanence, part of that continuing in our faith is so tied closely with community. So tied closely with being around the church. Not trying to take care of our salvation, work out our salvation, work out our putting aside of our sin on our own. We don't accomplish all of those things on our own. We don't do that through our own power. We do that through the power of the Holy Spirit in us and the Holy Spirit drawing us together with other believers. Community is a vital piece of endurance. I'm going to turn back to chapter 3 again. I told you we were going to be turning a lot. You know what page numbers they're on by now? About got them memorized? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sins. So he's calling us, as the church, to continue to spur one another on. We have to continue to encourage each other to lay aside our sin. Um, we met, uh, all the guys met, when was that? About a month ago now. And we said, some of us have already gone through this whole redemption group thing where we're going we're gonna to go through this book, we're going to talk about the sin that's in our lives, we're going to help each other set it aside. Some of us haven't been through that yet. We're going to do it again. I think we're going to do it again starting here at the beginning of the year. Um, so so if, you, if you are interested in in following this verse exactly. Let's get together and let's encourage one another to set aside our sin and to look only to Jesus, to be only satisfied in Jesus. That's what he's talking about. The church coming together and and helping each other, assisting one another at becoming more like Christ. We can't do this on our own. There's there's not a lone wolf mentality present in the church. We We can't live that way. Because if we don't, every day, if we're not in each other's lives every day, as long or as he says, as long as it is called today, if we aren't doing this constantly, 
we will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's what he's saying. If you aren't continually pushing each other away from sin and towards Jesus, you're just going to fall right back into it. If you're off on your own, you're just going to fall right back into your sin. You need the church around you. You need your community around you. You need your brothers and sisters around you. Chapter 10. I almost spoiled it by by saying it while I was talking about the one in chapter 3. Oops. Chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. So let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He's permanent. He's faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we are supposed to be together encouraging one another to look more and more like Jesus. We are not supposed to go off on our own and say, I can take care of this all on my own. I can make myself look more like... We can't keep saying, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, because if you know anything about salvation, you can't do any of it. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in your life. We offer nothing. He gives us everything. And the only way that we're going to start to look more and more like Jesus is if we're spurring each other, each other on. If we're encouraging one another to continue on. We can't do it on our own. So Jesus is better. He's a better priest. He's a better king. He's a better, he's a better prophet. He's a better solution for sin. And he's permanent. It's not going to go away. We don't fall away. When we're with Jesus, we stay with Jesus. And we encourage each other to look more like Jesus because we're together. Because we live in community. Because we stay together. This is the last one. And this is the one that I think has affected me the most. Jesus is stable. We should give up everything because Jesus is the only one who will last. Jesus is our stability. Chapter 6. Verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus is gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is our anchor. Jesus is the thing that holds us in place, right? Everything else is going to let us down. Anything outside of Jesus will let us down at some point. You may think, that your spouse or your best friend or your family are going are gonna to be there for you perfectly all the time. At some point, they will let you down. At some point, they will disappoint you. At some point, you will be left feeling like, what? What do I do? You forgot me. You will be left out by them at some point. You will be an afterthought or a second thought or or something. Something will come up and you will realize that you are not their everything. And if you have held too tightly to, I am defined by their affection for me, 
then what do you have? You have nothing. Our friends, our family, our, 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 our homes, our cars, our, our food, our toys. Those are not the things that satisfy us because those things can go and will go away. Jesus is our anchor. Jesus is our stability. Chapter 12. This is the verse that says it the best. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. He's going to shake everything away. We talked about this just a few weeks ago. Everything that we see that is not Jesus and is not His church is going away. He's going to shake it. We can't, we can't trust it. It's not trustworthy. It's going to go away. It cannot be relied upon. So if our hope is in something that is unstable, then our life is built on a lie. Our life is built on something that will not satisfy us perfectly, permanently. So what are the things that we're holding on to? Right? What are the things that we're, we're defining our life by? What are the things that, that are here right now that we think we can trust in? I've got this job, or I've got this house, or I've got this person. How do we know that that person is always going to be here? How do we know that your house is always going to be there? How do we know that your job is always going to be there? We don't. Those are the sorts of things that God is saying He might shake. He might take away. He might, he might rip you away from it because you're relying too much on it and your ability to provide for yourself through something. And he might say, I'm going to reveal myself to you in the way that I have to. I'm going to make you rely on me the only way I see possible by taking everything else away from you. So why don't we just skip the middleman and just be satisfied in who Jesus is? Right? Why don't, we, why don't we just look to him, define our lives by him, trust that he is going to take care of us. If we have a job that's amazing... That's one more opportunity to thank Him, to be grateful for what He's given to us, to, to support the people that, that He's put under us, to, to be generous with the people that are around us. Maybe He's given us a house. Maybe that's not for us to hide in and lock the door, but maybe that's for us to open the door and welcome people in. Maybe the things that we have we see as gifts from Him that are to be used for His glory instead of holding on to them and being defined by what they are. And maybe we just look to Him as our only true stability. Because if there's anything that, that, that I think we as a church have learned is that the only thing that is stable in our lives, the only thing that isn't going to change is Jesus. He's the only one that we know that we can hold on to and He's not going anywhere. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always been there and He is not going anywhere. 
We don't lose Jesus. He doesn't lose us. So why don't we just love him? Why don't we just seek him? Why don't we just run to him? What if, what if he is all that we need? Because he is. But what if we lived like it? What if, what if we weren't disappointed when, when we don't get that one Christmas present that we thought we were going to get? What if we don't get disappointed when we don't get to take that one vacation? Or what if we don't get disappointed when our schedules aren't free enough because we're so busy with things in our lives? What if, what if, what if our attitude was, no matter what may come, Jesus is better than any of it, and I love him, and I want only what he wants? What if that was our life? What if that's what we look like? What if that was the message that the church was projecting? What if we as a church lived like Jesus was everything and that was all we wanted? So Jesus is better. Jesus is permanent. Jesus is communal. He wants us to live in community. Jesus is our stability. So why? Why are these points? Why do I? This is the thing. I, was, I said, I've been telling everybody. I'm going to preach the same four points two times. So I've done it once. <laughs> Now I'm going to do it again. So let's preach them all one more time. So, so why are these points so important for CRC? Why in the last year did God see fit to say, I want you to preach the book of Hebrews, and these are the four ideas that I really think you're going to take home with you? Why, why did we need to hear these things? Why did we need to hear that Jesus is better? Do we want Jesus more than anything else? These same questions I keep asking. Is Jesus our prize? Is Jesus what we treat as our only hope of salvation? Do, do we, as a church, actually think we've gotten there? Because I don't think we're there yet. I think, I think we're heading that way. I think we're starting to get the idea. But, but I don't think we fully embrace the idea that Jesus is better than anything else that we may have in our lives, and Jesus is ultimately more satisfying than our stuff, our, our relationships, our jobs, whatever. I don't think we've got it perfectly figured out. I know I don't. Confession time. Bought myself, bought myself a Christmas present after Christmas. Bought myself a new TV. Okay? And we're sitting there and I'm debating between which TV do I want? Do I want the one that's 10 inches bigger or do I want this one? And, and then my wife asked me a question that made me feel really guilty. She said, will you be less happy if you only get the smaller one? And I said, oh. And I said, I don't need to be made happy by either of them. It didn't make me not buy the TV. That's, part, that's the confession part. I still bought the TV. But, but, I so, but we so easily can fall right back into the trap of being made happy by something that's not Jesus. Right? I am so excited that people that haven't been here are here today. But I can't let the fact that I'm excited that people that I don't get to see all the time are here be the thing that makes me happier than the fact that I know the creator of everything. I can't define myself. I can't. I can't sorry, you guys aren't better than Jesus. I, I hate to say it, but you're not. So, so do we really live our lives as though Jesus is better? Because we keep talking about better than this, better than this, better than this. Eventually it's like, aren't you just going to say he's the best? And I think the way that the author of Hebrews walks through keep building him up as bigger, you're supposed to come to that conclusion on your own. So you keep saying better, better, better. Eventually you're like, 
there's nothing left. There's nothing left that is on par or better than Jesus. And you're like, that was the point the whole time. That he is ultimately what satisfies us. I think CRC needs to remember that our walk with Jesus is permanent. We don't get to fall back into our sin. Like I said, we're, we're restarting up the redemption group thing for the guys. I think the girls would, would really benefit from getting something going for them too. I can't really lead that because I don't want to be like, all right, girls, let's hang out. <laughs> that would be inappropriate. So, so y'all need to get together and talk about the sin that's in your lives because I know it's there. But I think we could do a better job of getting into each other's lives and actually holding one another accountable for sin because, like he said, we have to spur one another on or we're going to just fall right back into sin. We have to be in this life together. We have to be pushing forward together. So I think we got this reminder this year because we realized that we still aren't perfectly there. We're still not to the point where we're always living life together and encouraging one another to look more and more and more like Jesus. So let's do that this next year, right? Let's be in each other's lives. Let's be together. Let's, let's get rid of the sin that's in our lives. Let's talk about the sin that's in our lives first. Let's not be afraid to say, hey, I sin. Let's say, yeah, we sin. Let's talk about that. Now how are we going to get over it? How are we going to deal with it? How are we going to get rid of it? How are we going to push it out of our lives? Let's do that for real. Let's not just say, we're going to talk about the sin in our lives and we're going to get over it. No, let's actually get together. Like, I think I, we've got a calendar thing. I think we're going to start in a couple weeks. We're starting. Every guy that comes here ought to be here. We're going to talk about sin. We're going to deal with it. We're going to address it and we're going to move forward. So we have to realize that Jesus is a permanent solution. We are permanently running toward him. We don't get to run back to our sin. Jesus is communal. Are we spurring one another on to love and good works? Are we doing this together? Are we in one another's lives? Do we still, do we still see these people as the people we want to be around? Or do we see these people as the people that were around when it's church time? That's, that's such a big mind shift, mindset change, right? We have to change our mindset from church is that place that we go to the church is the people that I'm around all the time. These are my people, right? I love that phrase. You are my people. That's the way we need to treat each other. You're my people. I wouldn't want to be apart from you longer than is at all possible. I want us to be together. I want us to spend time with each other. Is that our mindset? Or do we see each other today and then I'll see you next Sunday? Or I'll see you at community group, but it'll be kind of a surfacey conversation where we don't really get too involved in each other's lives. We don't really hold each other accountable for sin. We say a few nice things. We pray, and then we'll see you next time. What's our mindset when we get together? Is our mindset that we want to get in each other's lives and get to know each other that much better? Because that's the way it needs to be. And finally, stability. Why is it so important that we talked about Jesus as being our stability? Because a lot has changed here in the last year. It's, that's why I was saying it's so funny that, that all you guys are here today because, because I was going to talk about how all you guys weren't here anymore. <laughs> so it's kind of it's awesome. Because, because when you talk about, we, we, we did the math, right? It was like up to like 
60% of our church could have left at the beginning of the year. And when it was time for everybody to leave, like 65% of our church left or something. It's like, it's like everybody that could leave left. Right? And it'd be really easy. And it was really tempting to think, oh man, that's it. That was the life of the church. We're dead. We're done. We got nothing. But this at the same time as we're reading, I'm going to shake the world. The things that don't matter might go away. Y'all don't matter. That's really what he's saying. Y'all don't matter. We don't matter. Like, like, like Jesus is what matters. Jesus, he's saying, I want you to find that I am still satisfying even if a bunch of your church members move off all over the place. Even if they are an hour and a half or further away, they're still the church. You're still the church. But ultimately, Jesus is still Jesus. And that's the thing that he's been revealing to me is that he's still Jesus. He's still good. He's still at work. Right? We talked about this. I just mentioned this briefly a few weeks ago. In the last month, we've had four or five people sign membership papers saying they want to join. And, and that, that's cool. Y'all like, that's awesome. Four people want to join. But, but I know for me and Dad and Daniel, like, from the church leadership mindset, it's like the, what's going on here? What's God doing here? What's the plan? But to all of a sudden see him say, look, I'm still adding to your church. We're still growing. We're still going somewhere. Some things are still happening. We still have new faces in here. Even though there's a bunch of, as Daniel said, old faces. Sorry, I didn't mean to look at you. I really did not mean to look at you. You're just on the front row and it just happens. Jesus is still the one that we define our success by. Our success is not built around who's here or who's not here, who, who has moved, who has done something else. Because I was thinking about it. I was looking at our, like I'm thinking, year review, should I talk about all of the, the vision goals that we kind of had for the year? Because then I was thinking, one of those was that we'd have doubled our number of community groups, and we haven't done that. So do I even want to mention that? But when you think about it, we had three community groups. Then we went down to two. And that's back up to three. So there's one that we've added. Y'all started a community group down in Knoxville. So there's two. Miranda's in a community group in Cincinnati. So there's three. So we did. Congratulations. That's some new math for you. But when you think about it, it's, it's not that, sure, we don't have six community groups here at CRC. But, but God influence at CRC has spread into other areas and there are more community groups that are being planted in other places. It's not here. It doesn't have to be here because Jesus is still Jesus in Knoxville. Jesus is still Jesus in Camden. Jesus is still Jesus in Cincinnati. Jesus, Jesus doesn't stop being him just because the same people aren't in this building every week. Jesus is our stability. We hold on to Jesus. We don't hold on to each other. We don't, we don't, we don't trust each other to satisfy us or, to, or to provide comfort or safety. Jesus is our comfort. Jesus is our safety. Because like we said, Jesus isn't just better. He's not just best. He's everything. Everything is made through him and everything was made for him. Right? And without him was not anything made. Right? Jesus is, Jesus is it. Jesus is the context for everything. Like, like he's, the, he's the missing piece that makes everything make sense. 
So when we're wondering, what are we supposed to do next? We're wondering, what's God going to do in the next year here at CRC? Here's what I know. I don't know who's going to be here. I don't know who's not going to be here. I don't know whether we're going to own this building or whether it will stop raining inside this building. These are things I don't know. But what I do know is that Jesus is still going to be Jesus. Jesus is still going to be trustworthy. And if we don't all look to him, run to him, and be satisfied in him, then we've missed the whole point. So we're going to pray. We're going to ask that Jesus would be our everything. And then we're going to celebrate who he is by singing really loudly. We're going to part with our material possessions and we're going to give money. We're going to come up here, we're going to take communion, we're going to remember what it is that he did for us. Because he gave everything. He gave his life for us so that we could know him. We're going to sing as loud as we can. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to back Daniel up. It's going to be loud. Because we've got a bunch of people here today. This is exciting. So there's no reason that we can't sing loud this morning. So let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for your son. And I want to thank you that, that he continues to prove himself over and over again to be faithful, perfectly satisfying, all that we need. And I pray that you would continue to give us hearts that see that, that beat for you. God, not all of us are following you. Not all of us know you. Not all of us trust you. And I pray that you would give, us, give those people life this morning. These people that, that, that still see this as either a mystery or something not to, not to be understood. or It's not real to them yet. I pray that you would, you would open eyes and give new hearts this morning, right now, so that 100% of us could realize the 100% success rate of salvation. So that we could, we could look to you all together as one body, as one church, and glorify you for who you are. And thank you for your faithfulness. God, I pray that as a church, as we move into this next year, that we will continue to know that you are our everything. That we wouldn't be defined by our stuff or people around us or relationships or work or homes or food or whatever it is that we may that we may say, I've provided this for myself, or, or this is what is satisfying, this is what makes me happy. But I pray that, that we would only be made truly happy by your Son. That you would make everything else pale in comparison. That we just see it as a shadow. It's just a thing that kind of reveals some of the nature of who Jesus is. Jesus, make yourself look good to us. Make yourself all that we want. Make yourself, make yourself what we need. More than food, more than, more than water, more than, more than a roof. Make yourself all that we want. In Jesus' name, amen. I mentioned it briefly, but we are going to respond. You can, you can sit and pray. You can, you can come up and take communion. You can, you can drop your offering in the basket. Um, when you sing, though, Let's sing that loudly. Like, there's not an option on that one. That's the thing we're going to definitely do, is we're going to sing passionately. We're going to celebrate Jesus, right? We're going to celebrate Jesus.